Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. By Quicken Loans Studios, Rocket Mortgage with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio, 855-212-4CBS, 855 and first off, and I'll make a bigger issue of this. I'll be very quick about this at the end. I'll be very quick about this now. At the end of the show, I'll make a bigger issue about it because I've had time to think over the last couple of months. I've had time to, to, to pause, reflect, consider what's happened over the last couple of months. More than happy to be back. Have read your messages. Have thanked you very much for your messages over these last couple of months. For everybody who reached out, who tweeted, who, who sent emails, Dave and Buffalo, especially those guys, uh, we thank you very much. I thank you very much. I know Hickey will thank you. Pierno, he won't say anything, but I'm sure he thanks you as well as he probably rolls his eyes in the other room right now. Thank you. Thank you very much. But I, I do thank you very much for that, and I'll get into it a little bit deeper at the end of the show because there's obviously more important things than just, well, a guy came back to the radio because what this is, and I will say this, this is a privilege. This is a privilege to be able to influence, to talk, to be able to maybe change your opinion or maybe influence your opinion or maybe just to give you something else to consider. And today and really this week, these last two weeks have been that type of week, has been that time for where we are and what we do. And I thought about this this morning when I woke up. Today is June 6th. Today's D-Day. And usually, I would, I would give a monologue at some point during the show, and I would wrap myself in the American flag and tell you guys about how great D-Day was for the sacrifice that people made for the greater good, that our, that our grandfathers, that our great-grandfathers, depending on who's listening, made for the greater good. And all that today on Saturday morning is still true. It's still true. The sacrifices that they made, the the scary moment that they went into that I can't even fathom. And I've seen all the movies that you possibly can. I've watched the Ken Burns. I've done everything I could. I can't put myself there. I never had the guts. I've, I've seen my friends go off. And I've told them good luck. And I've told them that I love them. And I told them that I will be there for them when they come back. I never had the guts to do it. I have always made sure to say it, because it takes guts. It takes guts to when your country calls you into service. It takes guts to sign up for the greater good of your country, to be in service of your country, and to sign up and then to turn yourself into somebody who can do that. What happened on that day, on Deliverance Day, 
is something that I can't even fathom. Two generations later, I never will be able to fathom. I hope I never have to fathom it because there's been plenty of brave people there. But today, I wonder what they fought for. And it's a short wondering because I know what they fought for. They fought for rights. They fought for the opportunities. They fought for the chance to be able to tell people that things aren't always right and that there needs to be positive change between us. That as a free country that we have fought and we have died for, that generations before us and even generations now fought and die for, that we must protect those rights no matter what. That above all, through strife, through terrorism, through any sort of the problems that we may have, we, might, we must fight for those rights. But this is the common mistake that guys like me make. Because I'll sit in a chair today and I'll talk with you for four hours and we'll talk baseball. I'll bring on C.J. Nikowski at 10.40 a.m. Eastern and we'll talk NBA. I love Colin Ward-Henninger and he's going to join us coming up a little bit later on at 12.40 p.m. Eastern. It's going to be a great time. We'll do top five. I'll bring back Hickey at noon. It's going to be a hell of a time. I'm going to make fun of Mraz for buying a pool. I plan to have some fun today. But what guys like me do is we sit here for four hours and over this time, because life changes for us. Let me explain to you from my standpoint. This has been a dream. To be able to talk to people who are on the inside, to be able to, to, to talk to the true insiders, to have names in my phone that I never thought I would be able to have, to be able to talk to people I never thought I would be able to talk to, is a blessing. But it can also be a curse. Because the more you talk to those names, the more you talk to those people, the more times that you believe what they tell you, the more you think you're an expert. Because we have the real story. You know, when you call us up and you talk about your favorite football, baseball, basketball, hockey team, whatever, and I know from those teams the real story about that, it's so easy to quote-unquote shoot you down about that and, and to not always be respectful about it. It's a painful thing to admit, but it's true. Because over time, we become experts. At least we think we are. We become experts in our mind. You know, I've talked to the guys. I'm, in, I'm based in Cleveland. I've talked to the coaches of the Browns. I've talked to the general managers of the Browns. I've talked to the team presidents. I've talked to the owners. You think you know, you have no idea. I'm the guy who knows. That type of thought permeates. And then you become an expert. You start to lose people. You start to lose yourself. You start to lose your audience. What's even worse is that when we think we're experts and we think we're hot on everything when it comes to sports, it permeates into real life. And then we think we're experts on everything. The thing that I can tell you now that I'll be able to tell you in the next four hours, four hours from now, the next four years, the next 40 years, I can't provide answers. When it comes to racial injustice, when it comes to what we're doing in America, good, bad, ugly, whatever it is, I can't provide answers. I can provide an ear. I can try to understand. There are so many of us, myself included at times, where we all have opinions. We don't have the experience. The only thing I can guarantee to you is that I can try to understand. And I want to understand. But I can't understand. I can't truly understand. 
I don't know, and I wish I did. I don't know your experience, and I wish I did. On Monday, after the riots in Cleveland, we did four hours. We talked to people about their experiences. We talked to people what they were going through. Business owners downtown, people who lived in rough areas of the city of Cleveland, people who lived in rough areas of the city of Akron, Toledo, even calling in, and listened to their stories. Their experiences are different than mine. I've never owned a business. I've never been afraid to drive in certain towns. I never have. Personally, I've had great experiences with police. Some of my closest friends, black and white, wear a badge. The Cleveland police, the North Ridgeville police, the Streetsboro police have been very, very, very good to me, and I'm thankful for that. I don't have the same experience. And because I don't have the same experience, when somebody calls up and says, Ken, I need to tell you a story of a time that something happened to me that still sticks with me to this day, like I was getting on Monday morning, I can't tell that person they're wrong. I wasn't there. I don't know. I don't know the frustration. I don't know what they were, they were having happen in their lives. I, I don't know what they went through. The only thing I can do is hear them out and listen. Because I don't know and I wish I did. I don't know your experience with the police. I wish I did. I don't know your experience with the opportunity for education. I wish I did. I don't know your experience with the opportunity for jobs. I wish I did. I don't know the experience you've had with your family or lack thereof. I truly wish I did. I come from a normal nuclear family. My parents are still married. Wasn't always great. Wasn't always horrible. I've, in the time I've been on this network and the time I've been on in Cleveland, I've, I've opened up the book many times in my personal life, good, bad, but I haven't had the type of problems in my life that a lot of people have had. It's been a blessing. But it also can become a curse because if somebody calls in and they offer their experience, if somebody emails and they offer their personal experience, it's a scary thing because when you become, when you believe you become an expert on sports, you believe you become an expert on everything. And that's when we start to lose you. That's when I start to lose you. That's the thing I'm afraid of the most. On a day that I I was excited for, I have to go back to an experience that happened four years ago. And something that I'm ashamed to admit, and I'll do again at noon Eastern when Cleveland comes on. When it came to Colin Kaepernick, I wanted it to go away. I'm ashamed to admit that now. Because wanting something to go away, just hoping it'll go away, is part of the reason we're here now, isn't it? Part of the reason this goes on. Because we weren't listening. I wasn't listening. I wanted it to go away. I was scared. I looked at tweets. I looked at emails. I was afraid to read tweets and emails at the time. I was terrified. My show in the morning had just started out. It was off to a rocky start. I was nervous. I wanted to just talk sports and go about the day talking sports, trying to have fun, goofing off and doing that. And over that time, I convinced myself that I have a voice and I'm able to do this and I'm able to say what's really on my chest. But the problem is I didn't mean it because I, I wanted it to go away. I was uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable with that. And I just brought up the way I grew up. With The way I grew up was we did take these things seriously. We take the flag seriously. We take the national anthem seriously. I, I came from a school district where if you goofed off during the national anthem, you had to get on the microphone and apologize to the crowd that was there. That happened to friends of ours when I was in middle school. 
Seventh grade, Piper Middle School basketball. Kid has to get on the microphone and apologize for goofing off during the national anthem. It was a big deal. And I took that and I ran with it because I did not agree with what Colin Kaepernick did. But in fact, I didn't understand what Colin Kaepernick did. I didn't understand what he was doing. I didn't understand what he was trying to, to change. Where he was really trying to start a conversation that, frankly, we weren't ready for yet. I wasn't ready to have yet. Here we are four years later. There's protest in the street, peaceful protest in the street. Then there's riot in the street. I try to remember the history lessons that are taught to us from 1968, the early 90s in L.A., but I never experienced it until this weekend. When it comes to your door, it changes your perspective. It's changed my perspective. It's made me realize that this is the start of a conversation. And if I were to sit here four years later and to just hope this goes away, doing what I do, talking to you how I talk to you, am I any sort more real than I ever was? Or am I just another person espousing opinions, shooting at the hip, not really giving you what I truly believe because I'm afraid? Because I don't know the answers. I can tell you I wish I did. I don't. Because I can shoot off opinions. I, I, I got opinions on everything. I don't have the experience. I don't. And I say, you know, I wish I did. I wish I did. I wish I understood. I don't wish I did. Because even then, that's wrong, isn't it? I don't wish that I was afraid to drive through a town. I don't wish that I had bad public schools. I don't wish that I had a bad family life growing up. I don't wish those things. I don't wish that I had to do things just to try to get out of the neighborhood that I grew up in, and because of that history, it makes it harder for me to get a job. I don't wish that. Even that, when I say that, feels wrong to say, uninspiring, unreal. It's not true. The only thing I can tell you is that I hope to try to find understanding. That's today, that's tomorrow, that's every single day in the future, and to understand that there are things I know and there are things that I will never, ever, ever know. That's the only thing I can guarantee. And that I never, ever, ever will use one thing that I love to block myself, to shield myself from an inconvenient truth. Because while I have people in my life who I hold dear, who wake up every single day, and they put on a badge, and they put a gun to their hip, and they don't know whether or not they're coming home, that doesn't mean that there have been people that have had an injustice done to them. That doesn't mean that there hasn't been generations of people who haven't had an injustice done to them. I'm afraid for those people. I'm afraid for the people who I believe in, who I know personally, who are police officers. I'm afraid that the people I know who are police officers that I do believe wholly because we don't want to believe that anybody around us are bad people. I've made that argument in sports before. I want to believe that they're good people. I don't want to lose their trust. I want to believe that the causes that I've, that I've emceed, the causes that I've, I've been a part of, that I've given my time to, that I've, given, that I've tried to give some part of my life to, have meaning, can do good when it comes to police. It scares me that I don't always know. 
And it scares me that I've lived 33 years saying I try to understand, and I don't understand, and I haven't tried to understand. I've said it, I haven't tried. So throughout all this, if you have four hours, and there's any bit of a difference you can make, and the problem is I I, I don't know if I'm going to make a difference. I don't think I'm going to make a difference. I really don't. I, I don't. What scares me the most about this is that we'll, we'll politicize this as we already have. We'll try to dunk on each other on social media. We'll post, we'll post one-minute clips of things that we see on cable entertainment news because that backs up our previous thoughts, and we'll put our heads in the sand, and sadly, this will happen again, and we'll be right back here again. I'm terrified of that happening, and I'm terrified to say I really do believe that's going to happen. That's a cynical point of view, but I think that's probably the way it's going to go. The only thing I can guarantee you is what I'll do today and for the rest of my career. Because four years ago, I didn't understand. I didn't understand. I didn't want to open up my mind, and I was wrong. And there can be plenty of people today who say, Ken, you know, you said you say what you say today, but you weren't there four years ago. I'll never forgive you. That's fine. You don't have to. I'm not asking you to. Not asking you to. I didn't understand four years ago. I'm trying to understand now. And I would hope that there would be some sort of thought where, People have to grow. You're a different person at 33 than you were at 23. You're a different person at 33 than you were at 28. You're a different person at 33 with three kids who are growing up in America that you hope to be able to give the advantages that you didn't have, just like every single person of every single background is trying to do. Hopefully there would be some understanding and there would be some growth. But I think we're reaching a point where we're ready to tell our truths and maybe we just don't give a damn about what others think of us. Until I freed myself of that, I didn't truly try to understand. That's what I can guarantee you today. That's what I can guarantee you for the rest of my career with you. Whether it ends today, because as we've seen through this pandemic, it can end at any time. But as long as I have this privilege, this Saturday, next Saturday, and hopefully many Saturdays in the future, when it comes to real life, I cannot give you the answers, and I won't ever pretend to give you the answers. I can try to give you opinion based on experience. That's the best I can do, and that's all you ask of me is the very best, isn't it? 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. C.J. Nikoski will join us at 1040 a.m. Eastern. We'll talk baseball with him. We'll talk basketball with Colin Ward-Henniger coming up at 1240 p.m. Eastern. He's one of my favorites. we got a new segment because we're back. we got a new segment. It's called Top 5. Hickey will be here for it, and um, 11.40 a.m. Eastern. Pierno's not the dumbest guy at CBS Sports Radio. He's going to help me expose the dumbest man I have ever met at CBS Sports Radio. Even though I love him, he's the dumbest guy I've ever met at CBS Sports Radio. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. CJ Nikowski coming up in just about 10, maybe 15 minutes. We'll see how that goes. Also, since it's our first time back in a couple of months, coming up at noon, we'll start to think of it, and then coming up at around, oh, 12.20 p.m. Eastern. We'll get the sense I've been gone. 
Also, the top five coming up at around 1.20 p.m. Eastern. We'll talk to Colin Ward-Henniger about the NBA returning, the format. It's a little bit confusing. Also, the NBA draft, everything that's going on with the new teams or with the teams that they're trying to get the new players at coming up at 12.40 p.m. Eastern. 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. I want to get to the calls because it's a short segment, and then we got CJ coming up. Let's get to Alexander and Georgia first. Alexander, you're first up on CBS Sports Radio. First, uh, good morning to you, man. Thank you for having me on. Um, I just simply want to set the tone. First, at the end of the day, if I get cut, I bleed the same blood that you do. Not only that, it's more than about race, man. It's about the common respect as humans that we should have for each other. We make it about race because at the end of the day, that's what has always divided us. This country, until you really understand and until you accept the fact that this country was built on division and that it takes the people, not the president, not the governors, not the political agenda that pushes it. It is up to the people to make it come together. You don't have to like me. I don't have to like you. But at the end of the day, just like a sporting team, you have to have a common goal. And everyone's common goal has to be that we all have freedom, that we all have the same rights, that we all are treated as we want to treat each other. Because if we forget in the long run, it's not about the race. Because no matter what the skin color is, we all come from the same. And it's just what it is to, to my Caucasian Americans. It isn't your fault. To my African-American American, it isn't your fault. But eventually, we're going to have to understand it may not be our fault, but it is our responsibility as humans to come together for a common cause. And until we do that, we're going to have this conversation. We're going to have this discord. We're going to have this disagreement. But it takes being uncomfortable. It takes these type of conversations. To understand, and just like you said, you want to understand because you've never been in that situation. And that's not your fault. That's no one's fault. But at the end of the day, it is our responsibility. So for anyone else that calls, whether you like it or whether you don't, take responsibility, own up, and understand being a better human being at the end of the day, that should be the common goal. Alexander, can't thank you enough for the call. Thank you very much. Eight five five two one two four CBS. It's it's something there where I have to I have to be able to hear you. I have to be able to hear you out, whether I agree or not. There was nothing to disagree with there. Absolutely, absolutely nothing to disagree with there. And he's right because I look at the. It's the same way where, and this will probably not hit the mark with some people. I, I've brought this up before. If I don't know, if my wife is angry at me and I don't know the problem, I'm going to get angry. If I don't want to open my mind up to the problem, if I'm not opening my mind up to it and I'm just tunnel vision and I don't know what the problem is, and the problem might be because I simply haven't opened my doors of perception up to it. I have to look in, inward first, do I not? And then I have to look at the other one. But it's simply, if I don't understand a situation, I'm going to get mad at it. That's the way a lot of people work at it. They get mad because they don't understand. And then they'll turn around and they'll blame. I got plenty of people I grew up with. Boy, they love to blame. 
They love to blame, and they don't want to look inward. Today, I got in all week, my goodness, I have to look inward, and I have to continue to look inward first. Then look outward. Mac in Georgia, you're next up on CBS Sports Radio. Go ahead. Uh, good morning, and thank you for taking my call. I got three quick points to make. Uh, I think the history of this country uh, is so twisted and so misguided, the problems between blacks and whites will continue. We haven't spent one dime or one minute in our schools educating whites about the the history of African-Americans in this country. We haven't spent one penny. And you know who you learn about when you're in school? For the month of February, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, maybe, maybe Fannie Lou Hamer, maybe, okay? You, won't, you, you can't understand us unless you know our history. For whites, slavery is an uncomfortable subject. I'm sorry. That's something that you have to carry, not me. But you need to learn about what happened. Do you know who one of the most influential blacks was in the 40s or the 50s? Wasn't no. Martin Luther King Jr. with Dr. Charles Drew. And what did he do? He created blood plasma that saved millions of soldiers during World War II. Black soldiers, and this is what bothered me about what Drew, Drew Brees said. My grandfather's one in the Army and one in the Marine Corps fought for this country. Well, your grandfathers weren't the only ones. Black men fought. Black men fought right alongside him and died and came back to some of the most egregious treatment that any, any one person could receive after they fought for their country. Another subject, Martin Luther King. Whites love Martin Luther King. They hated him when he was on this earth, excoriated him at every turn. I'll tell, I'll tell all whites this. Go to Google and, and uh, look at the speech he made in April 4th, 1967, at um, at a church in New York City, and the speech was called Beyond Vietnam. I want everybody to read that speech, black or white. You need to read that speech, and you will get a context of what he was talking about back then and what he purported for the future of this country. And last but not least, read the 1968 Colonel Report after the riots, after his, after his assassination. And you can look at what they said then and look at what we're going through now, and I swear they mirror exactly what they were saying back then in 1968. I'll ask everyone, black and white, please listen to one another. We will never get past what happened to George Floyd if we don't start listening. You can blame, you can do whatever you want, but we must listen and respect one another. Thank you very much, and please have a wonderful weekend. Thank you very much for the call. And you said exactly what I think needs to be said. I got I to gotta be able to hear you out. If I don't hear you out, we're going to end up in this problem again. Because if you're telling me about 1968, and before I even look at it, I'm willing to guarantee it probably is smacks almost the same way as what it did then, as it does now, we will probably end up in this situation, and it's going to be a hell of a lot sooner than about 50 years. 855-2124-CBS coming up next. We aside from this, we will get back to this a little bit later on. I definitely have to do this again at noon Eastern because Cleveland will be in. Uh, coming up next, though, CJ Nikowski, MLB Network Radio on Sirius XM, Rangers TV analyst. We'll talk about what the hell is going on in Major League Baseball between the players and the owners and who to really blame. I really think you should blame both, but that's just me. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. Coming up at 12.20 p.m. Eastern, since I've been gone. 
It's a great segment that I hope Hickey will participate in. Well, also, Pierno's going to help me go after maybe the dumbest person on CBS Sports Radio coming up at 1140 a.m. Eastern, 855-2124-CBS. It has been nothing but struggle and strife and anger between the owners and the players in Major League Baseball. I just saw, um, and this is coming up at 2 p.m. Eastern, Andrew Filipponi, my buddy in Pittsburgh, will be on, and he says he has from a source that it could be a 48-game schedule. And he has a layout of the schedule for the Pittsburgh Pirates where the before, again, several teams just in the central time zone or the eastern time zone, but in the Midwest, really, and then they would try to get in the NL Central. And then there you go. There's your regular season for Major League Baseball. Let's get a guy who's certainly in the know and has a lot of opinions about this, both as a player and as an analyst of the game. TV Rangers TV analyst. You can hear him on MLB Network Radio on Sirius XM. I've actually hosted one show with this man talking about baseball. Find him on Twitter at CJ Nikowski. It's CJ Nikowski who joins us on the show. CJ, thanks for joining us this morning. And I imagine you tell people that was one too many for you. Like you I had, actually, One, you had your fill. You were like, eh, thanks, but no thanks. That was enough. I swear to God, <laughs> I go, I, I, when, it, when it gets brought up, I, I'll, I'll tell you the truth here. I go, he played the game and he knew the game and I felt like a fish out of the water because I was filling in for Adam the Bull at the time. And so that was it fun. Was, it was a baseball show and I'm going, uh... Boy, I thought I knew about baseball. I don't know about baseball compared to these two. <laughs> this is really embarrassing right now. Nah, we're all, we all help each other. Cause I, I'm, I am pretty much a one-trick pony, so I'm always amazed for you guys that do multiple sports. I'm in awe. Uh, of what you guys do and the ability to cover multiple sports always fascinates me. It just it, it just it just really shows how how good of a BSer you are really when it comes to the other sports. CJ Nikowski <laughs> joins us on the show now. This is a weird spot for you because you've been a player, you've dealt with this type of stuff as a player. You're an analyst now. You know, I I see a lot of writers CJ who goes, well, you know, if you're not on the player side, you're on the side of the billionaire owners. I go, can I can I just be angry at both right now as a baseball fan? You can be, and unfortunately, it seems like that's where uh, our society has gone in general, right? It's pick a side, and that's it, and make sure you hate the other side. And I think uh, if you grew up in a city that either, if you're a fan of a team that either had a rival or if there was two teams in your city, right? for me growing up in New York, I use that example, it seems like, okay, well, if you like the Yankees and you have to hate the Mets, there is no in-between, and vice versa. And that's kind of what this argument, I think, has become as well. And like every conversation and every negotiation, there are two sides to every story, and Understanding both of those sides, I think, is important because at the end of the day, for all of us, what do we want? We want to see baseball games uh, back on television. And it's unfortunate to some degree that we've heard so much about what's going on in these negotiations. Like, it's great for us. And you and I, meaning because we get to talk about it, right? It gives us some information, and we have great insiders, and the working hard, and and the and the gets the things that get out there all of a sudden become a conversation. But in the process, it also ticks some fans off who really don't want to hear about it, right? The appetite is just not there right now. It usually isn't anyway, but especially now with everything that's going on uh, in our country, they just don't want to hear about it. They want the games back on television, but there are and just games played again uh, to be able to listen to on radio as well, and hopefully go attend at some point. But there are two stories to this. The owners will tell you about the losses. Uh, that they're going to take, uh, to what level are they willing to absorb those losses, how much they want the players to share. Players are not interested in sharing in losses because the way they see it, if we played an 82-game season at you know the prorated salaries for them, they've already collectively lost more than $2 billion in salary because of it. We know that the total payrolls are right around $4 million, a little bit more than that. And so a half a season means $2 billion gone that players thought that they were collecting uh, this year and they just don't want to give up anymore. 
CJ Nikowski joining us on the hotline. So at $2 billion in salary, I, I can understand where, where you're looking at a lot of people who have taken cuts across the country, and certainly baseball players have taken cuts across as well. And there have been some good stories as well. You know, David Price paying the freight for the uh, minor leaguers in the Dodgers system, opening up his pockets, other players doing the same. That's some really inspiring stuff. And I go back to a couple years ago, CJ, where I read in Forbes, Record ten point seven billion dollars in revenue, and it leads me to wonder: Okay, who's lying? Were mm-hmm. you were you lying about the revenue that you got? I'm talking to the owners here. Are you lying about the revenue you got back then, or are you lying about how poor you are now? Which one is it? Which one is it? Well, I think that the issue there becomes: you know, revenues are one thing. Just like we look at the franchise, the, uh, the value of franchises, right? The idea that the Royals could sell for more than a billion dollars is—I mean, they have a billion dollars, no, but it is the value of their franchise. Just like other, fr- I mean, we sh- we're shocked at how much the Marlins sold for, right? We don't look at them as necessarily an organization that's crushing it financially, but yet they can sell um, mm-hmm. for near a billion dollars. And so, there's a difference between revenue and bottom line profits. Now, I'm not here to defend, even though I work for a team, because I don't. Don't know what the numbers are either you know what are we looking at as far as in your pocket you know cash flow because there's a bunch of different ways to kind of do those books and you do do it that way i work with steve phillips in the mornings on mlb network radio you know he was a general manager he said listen we had to keep basically three budgets and and you know to, to kind of simplify it is what's actual cash in hand and what can we, how can we from accounting standpoint uh go ahead and set up our budget what is that bottom line because when you talk about things like depreciation and amortization well that's not actual dollars that you're losing uh, but it, you can certainly certainly look, make it look like that bottom line is a loss even though it might not be from a cash flow um, standpoint so that's the issue with the players is that they would like to have some more documentation to prove what those losses will be right we've heard uh, Rob Manfred talk about what the losses would be if they if they paid uh, regular salaries. Okay, well, couldn't they get some more information on that? And the problem is, is that there's just distrust. The last couple of rounds of negotiations have not gone particularly well uh, for the players. And so there is that lack of trust right now for them because they feel like they've lost a couple of rounds of bargaining and whether or not they believe the numbers that the owners are telling them right now. And that's why we have ourselves uh, such a fight here. And uh, it'll continue, but I do think they'll get it done. Uh, and I know people get a little frustrated with the numbers, but it's a matter of you know how much can owners really afford to pay, and can you be a little bit more honest with the players about what those numbers really look like? CJ Nikowski with us on the show. What's a perfect season for you for this year, for the rest of this year? How many games? What type of postseason and everything else? So I wish we could get the half a season in at least, and I know technically half a season would be 81. They've talked about 82 as a proposal. Now, Major League Baseball did offer that, but they offered that uh, at about a 33% cut, roughly. We saw those tiered cuts that came in, and the players, of course, would like to at least have those 82 games at full salary. Again, that's a 50% cut as far as what they lost for the entire season. And it sounds like there's about an $800 million difference there or so. That's what the union told us, uh, and that's what they're fighting over. But when you talk about total games, I would love to see that half a season. Now, the big question along those lines as well as far as total number of games is, can we play baseball, regular season baseball in October or not? Is that too risky? Because, you know, think about every game that's played, obviously, for players means that's another day of salary. I think for owners, that means another day of your local television rights, plus what you get from the national package. But the way things are starting to shape up, it just feels like on the owner's side for MLB, they don't want to roll the dice and play regular season games in October. So that really does narrow the number as far as what we can do, because that clock is ticking. If we don't get something done here in the next week or so, we're not going to be able to play 82 games and not play regular season games 
in October. And those and those rumblings of 50 games or 60 games, well, that is something we can do, and we can start that probably August 1st or even late July. Nobody loves that, right? We want as many games as we can possibly get. Um, I think our worst-case scenario is probably in the 50s, maybe 60. Our best-case scenario right now is probably uh, 82 because I just don't think they're going to play those regular season games in October. Bob Costas is one of the gatekeepers of the baseball, for better or for worse, depending on the listeners' uh, impressions of him. He said in an interview with Jason Stark, he says he kind of, he wishes the Indians wouldn't win the World Series because there'd be an asterisk next to that championship. Is there an asterisk next to whoever wins the World Series uh, in a shortened season like this? Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it, whether there's actual actually an official asterisk, just like whether or not there should be one for the Astros in 2017, right? There's all these stories that are always there, and those don't go away. Should it officially be in the record books? We know that when we talk about a World Series winner this year, we're going to talk about how many games were played. And if it's 82, we'll refer to it as the half a season. If the number's in the 50s, then we're going to refer to it as a third of a season uh, championship. It does change a lot of things. The Nationals are a really great example of how that could be. They would not, you know, they, they got off to such a terrible start. They would have been a postseason yeah. team uh, if we only played the first 50 games of last year. Now, if we played the last 50 games of the 2019 season, they would have been in there. I think they had the third best record over the last 50 games of the regular season uh, in baseball. Now, there will be an expanded format as well as far as the postseason goes, uh, which will help a little bit, I guess, to some degree. But it's going to be a different year. I think history will tell us this was a different year. It'll be more about the virus than the negotiations and the fact that we lost so many games because of that, and that's really what the story will be. So even if the Indians do win the World Series or the Tampa Bay Rays win the World Series, right? these teams uh, that don't necessarily have high payrolls that have been competitive, the Oakland A's are another team that's right there, um, I don't think it's going to discount it for them. Like, th- there's nothing they can do about it. right? They can't force a 162-game season this year, and they'll take their championship and they'll get their rings made. Uh, we'll tell the story over time in history, but it doesn't take away from the accomplishment. What does this do? C.J. Nikowski with us on the show. Find him on Twitter at C.J. Nikowski. What's this do in terms of a trade deadline? Can we have a trade deadline at some point? Maybe by the time they sign the deal to play and then leading up until maybe the first week of games? I don't know. I'm just spitballing there. Yeah, that's a tough one. It all depends on how many games we end up playing. I mean, the idea of a two-month season, right, 55 or 54 games, I guess would be a third of a season. Does it make sense to have a trading deadline? Probably not. You know, the thing about it, though, is for those teams that have those impending free agents, right, if they were non-contenders, would they like to move that guy? We thought this might be a somewhat exciting uh, trade deadline with some of those names and guys that were expected to be uh, free agents, right? Take a guy like Trevor Bauer. If the Reds were not contending, would he be a guy that could be eventually be traded at the deadline? Mookie Betts, I think we believe the Dodgers will be contenders, so probably not as much as the case. Francisco Lindor, even though he's two years away, right? The idea of wanting to take advantage of that trading deadline is a big part of how teams do business. And so how do you handle that situation? And for those same guys that will be free agents, they do love getting traded during the middle of the year because that means no qualifying offer attached to them, right? It's kind of a weird rule that we have that probably has to go away. If you stay with your team the entire year and you go into free agency, you have to deal with the qualifying offer, whether or not that team is going to offer it to you. If you get traded, you don't have to worry about it um, at all. And so that's, that's one of those things that could come into play. I would guess that we go with no trading deadline unless we have at least a half a season. And when you would do it, I don't know, maybe September 1st with a month to go. Well, how do you do it? Like so you mentioned Trevor Bauer with the Reds. How do you do it if you're the Reds where you're sitting there with a, as a fan base, say you get 60 games going, wait, you're going to trade this guy before the season? Who knows? Maybe we start off hot we stay hot. It's a, it's a short season. There's been plenty of teams that have started off hot and, and finished terribly, and there's been plenty of teams, just like you mentioned with the Nationals, who started off like garbage and ended up great. 
Yeah, so I think if you even have any, tra- any trading deadline, it can't be early. Like it has to be really, really late, and it's, you know you're not going to get the impact as much because that's the other part of it. Well, okay, we talk about trading deadline and giving a player up uh, July 31st or gaining a player. It's so, okay. Well, that's two months as we make our postseason run. I think if we push the trading deadline back and only make it for one month, you're really looking more at players. You feel like you have an idea what your postseason destination is going to be at that point. Can this person help us go on a run in the postseason? Right. You need an extra starter, and all of a sudden now. Now you acquire a guy who becomes your number two guy, and you've got a really deep rotation. Certainly the Washington Nationals showed us what you can do with a really good um, rotation, how important that becomes. or It's that extra bullpen arm. Not so much about impacting your ability to get to the postseason, uh, but whether or not you can go on that run. And an expanded postseason, whether it's 14 teams, Steve Phillips threw out the idea 24 last week on our show. That might be a little bit big, but we know other sports are not afraid to go uh, that deep. That means probably almost no action at the trade deadline because the idea of getting in as we know once you get in in our sport anything can happen if you have the right starting pitching and so that would mean less action with a deeper postseason uh, you know as far as the total number of teams that will be going cj nikowski joining us on the show real quick do you believe the folks that say that they are no longer going to be baseball fans if you can't get a season going I don't. I don't. I know we, we get angry. We make threats. You know, we every four years when uh, the presidential election comes up, everyone threatens to move to Canada and it never happens. So I would say no, probably not. Uh, I think that I understand the, that people are frustrated, especially now because there's so much, you know, personal strife going on and the struggles around our country right now. But I don't buy it. We all love the game. If you're willing to tweet or talk about or call into your show and complain about how you're never going to watch baseball again, it's because you love it and, and you'll be back and we need you back and we'd hope that everyone would come back. C.J. Nikowski, find him on Twitter at C.J. Nikowski. He's on MLB Network Radio on Sirius XM, Rangers TV analyst. Hopefully we'll see you on TV covering some Rangers games again very, very soon here, C.J. All the best. Thanks, Ken. I hope you're right, man. Thank you. Thank you, C.J. Nikowski, joining us on the hotline. There's been a lot of conversation about that. I'm going to want to start the next hour about that because there's a lot of folks, and, and I think that they're frustrated right now. I think they're angry right now. I think there's other things. As a, as a fan – especially as a person, your personal life, what you go through, bleeds over into your fandom because it affects your mood. Sports affect your mood. But if they're not able to play or if they don't come to an agreement, how many people are actually bowing out? 855-2124-CBS. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.